All right. Hi, everyone. It's Obia Bucci here with the Leading From Your Core podcast and vodcast. This show is dedicated to helping leaders all around the world discover leadership wisdom, stories, and insights that will enable you tap into the power of leading from the inside out. I'm delighted to welcome to the show Ian Joseph. Uh, Ian is a man who wears several hats. He is Managing Director of Trustees Unlimited, which is one of the first B corporations in the UK, and Trustees Unlimited recruits people to join the boards of not-for-profit organizations. He's also the Joint Managing Director of Russum, the oldest interim management company in the UK, and a leading search firm, which this year turns 40, so incredible heritage. Uh, outside work, he chairs the national anti-bullying charity Kidscape and is involved in several other national and global initiatives. Earlier in his career, he was the chief executive of a charity which specializes in the fields of homelessness, addiction, mentoring, and international development. And so much more can be said about Ian. Uh, for now, though, Ian, absolutely excited to have you on the show. Well, I can't believe that's such a great introduction. I was waiting for your guest speaker. <laughs> Absolutely you, my friend. Absolutely you. Uh, really excited. Now, I mean, I said there's so much more that could be said about you, Ian. And so our listeners and viewers get to know who you are. What, what else would you like to say about yourself? And then I'd love you to tag on to that, what you enjoy most about being a leader. Uh, myself, probably um, the thing most important to me, I've got a wife and three sons. That gives me a lot of pleasure. Uh, so that's probably something personal. Uh, in terms of leadership, I think it's the ability to have an impact, to carve your own way and to be uh, autonomous to a certain degree. Um, that flexibility to, to lead, to do things, to take risks, to have initiative, to make things happen. I think that's a real gift. Oh, brilliant. I, I love that. Whenever, as a father of three myself, whenever I hear a leader talk about their kids, I always think, yeah, that's probably where you really cut your teeth on leadership. Forget all of that organizational stuff. It's in there. Well, and, and, and you always <laughs> remain an amateur. You never become a professional, ever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I hear that. It's ongoing development and growth. But I also love the fact that for you, leadership just is this opportunity to make a mark, to grow, to, to take risks, to develop yourself. So we'll be diving into some of that today. Now, in your role, you deal with leaders all the time, right? You are having to not only connect with them, but you're placing them within organizations. You're speaking to organizations around the world. And so I'm going to start off with a biggie for you, and then we'll see where the conversation goes. But we're in 2022, post-COVID, lots of change. What would you say are some of the most significant challenges that leaders are facing today? That's such a big question. And I think we would probably need hours to, to really wrestle with that. Um, 
I think the world is changing much faster than it's ever changed before. Uh, we've got geopolitical tectonic plates moving in a way they haven't moved probably for 60, 70 years, uh, thinking obviously about war in Europe, but of course other mm. things going on around the world. I think there's probably a mental health crisis just around the corner. I'm not an expert, but I worry for younger people that have been cooped up, uh, particularly for really young people where two years of their life is a significant proportion of their life. You know, mm. for you and I, who are a little bit more vintage, shall we say, it's um, <laughs> nice it, it's uh, it's a smaller it's a smaller part. But for younger people, I, I I think we haven't really begun to see the ramifications of isolation and COVID. Um, layering on that, the adaptation of technology and how that affects younger people. So, I, I guess to answer your question, there are lots of things. I think my attention is perhaps more drawn to the next generation and mm. concerns about how they're going to cope. Having said all of that, and I think part of this podcast is about resilience, I think human beings are resilient and they adapt. And so I'm very optimistic about the future, but it's not without its challenges. And we haven't even talked about inflation and um, mm. Taiwan and uh, you know all these other uh, sensitive issues, but... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. As you said, we, we could chat for hours, lots of topics, lots of pressures that leaders are, are facing. And I'd put all of that in that bucket of the pressures of the external, the, the volatility, the uncertainty, the complexity, the ambiguity that, that stresses us on the outside, but also on, on the inside. And you're right, for me, a big thing is resilience, because these things are squeezing us all of the time, whether we're seasoned leaders, we're emerging leaders, we're the younger generation, how do we, how do we navigate that? How do we make sense of it? And you started talking about resilience. So let, let, let's go there then. What, what does resilience mean to you? And, and why do you think it is important in life and in leadership? Yeah, again, another big, big question. I mean, I think life is difficult. It's an illusion to think otherwise. And everybody suffers. There's an inevitability to it. If you're born on this earth, you will uh, suffer and you will go through potentially trauma and you will go through difficulties. And that's not to rain on the parade of life as beautiful, mm. but life is tough. And, and I think some people are under an illusion that actually life shouldn't be tough, but no, that's not true. Life is tough. And so resilience is absolutely core if you are going to not only survive, but to thrive in this gift that we have called life. And I think resilience um, is developed by going through suffering and there is a purpose to it. And by going through it and overcoming it, your proverbial shoulders get wider and stronger. I think it's always quite telling that the people that have suffered the most are often the most empathetic to others. Mm. And that makes me think actually, yes, it's horrible, but that there is a reason behind it. So I, I think resilience is, is absolutely, uh, absolutely vital. One other thing I would say, I heard a statistic recently I don't want to misquote the statistic, but it was something like for people that have experienced trauma, what percentage of them would 
not like to change the incident that caused the trauma in the first place. And it was something like 90 or 95% wouldn't change a thing. Wow. Because even though it was traumatic, even though it was tough, there was something about going through that process that enabled them to become better and stronger and more capable and they wouldn't change it. So, so yeah, I think resilience is absolutely vital to, uh, to life, to living, to leadership, to everything. Wow, wow. I, I can imagine right now that listeners, viewers, watching, listening to this are connecting hopefully with some sobering moments in their life and that appreciation of the value of the suffering. You, you, you used a word that's become quite important to me. You said beautiful. And I now talk about it in terms of this beautiful complexity that it, life is complex and things that are going on with us as human beings can be complex, but there's beauty in that when you realize that the challenges, the suffering, the, the difficulties that we face, they're not just there to crush us and, and put us out of existence, but they're actually there to help us get stronger. And the value of the empathy, the value of the vulnerability, the value of connecting to our humanity and therefore being able to connect with the humanity of others is so relevant. You, you were talking about that statistic and that the story that immediately comes to mind or just my own personal story of my mum going through Alzheimer's and this is her eighth year now. It's been incredibly difficult. Uh, and I, I remember once she went lost, we were launching our business website and she was missing, she'd gone missing. And I was in tears as we were looking for her. And luckily she showed up the next day. Another time I was out of town getting ready to deliver some training for a leadership team. And I get a call saying she's gone missing. And I just think, how do you, how do you manage these? How do you show up and be present and still deliver what you need to as a leader, as a professional, when life is squeezing you? And I look back on those moments and they have taught me so much. The one thing I wouldn't want is if I could turn back time and if somehow we could get rid of my mum's Alzheimer's, I would absolutely get rid of it. But all of the growth mm. that has come from it, I would not want it. I'd, I'd think life somehow, please give me that pressure and that stress and pain because the growth has been invaluable. So I, I completely agree that yeah. life is... Yeah, and I think there's something to about, teach us something. Yeah, and it's about reframing um, that because I think historically I, I always, you know, I would see struggles and difficulties as an obstacle and inconvenience as something that wasn't sort of the way it ought to be, but actually reframing it and seeing struggle as a friend, seeing mm, adversity mm. as this is something that can teach me something. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember... I think you and I may have talked about this before, but there was um, there was a story I heard once, and it was about a cocoon and the sort of butterfly hadn't quite emerged <laughs> yet. Yeah. And I love this story because to me, this it acts as a sort of metaphor for what we're trying to say here. So 
essentially the, this chap, he he saw this cocoon and it was kind of the, the thing inside was trying to get out and it was prodding and it was having real difficulty. And in an act of kindness, he got a scalpel and he slipped the side of the cocoon to release the yeah. butterfly. But of course, the butterfly wasn't formed properly. It came out and couldn't fly. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't fly because the purpose of the cocoon and the struggle was to create that struggle. It had to push against, it had to fight, it had to wrestle. And only at the point that it was strong enough, it would be able to break the cocoon and it would fly. And I think sometimes we want life to be easy. We want the cocoon to be split open. We want to just be released from whatever it is we're going through. But we fail to realize that the struggle is what's gonna enable us to fly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just so powerful. It is, yeah, that, that is so powerful. I That's a story I heard many years ago, I think tells it, and I included it in my recent book, Leading From Your Core, because it, it, for me, it is absolutely the best metaphor for growth and transformation as a leader, as an individual, doesn't come without struggle. If you want to get there without struggle, you just... It's, it is an illusion, as, as you, you said earlier on. Yeah, and, and it's, I think it's looking how you look at failure. You know, the mm-hmm. thing, one of the things I love about the US culture is failure is appreciated, it's rewarded. In fact, if you haven't got some stripes on your back, you're not really considered, like you haven't really proven yourself. Uh, yeah. Someone I was having dinner with recently said, and I don't know whether it's an urban myth, but he's saying, California, uh, you know, Silicon Valley, the, the, the thing is, unless you've tried to set up three businesses and failed, you can't really call yourself an entrepreneur. And I love that, whether it's true or not. But again, yeah. there's something about, I'd rather be out there trying to do things and failing than mm. not trying to do them at all. But if you're going to try them, you need to have resilience. You yeah. got to have, yeah. and, and, and failure, and you get knocked down and you get up again. It's the that's the old bit these are ancient principles you and i've talked about before they haven't <laughs> no. changed yeah. just maybe different language yeah yeah well well let's build on that i mean i've heard so many stories out of silicon valley that focus on failing forward and uh, leveraging all of the insights from that so for you personally what, what's been one of the most significant failures that you've had as a leader and what did it teach you about yourself and what did it, what did it teach you about your resilience where, where does one start Toby? <laughs> again you need another day to talk about your failures <laughs> <laughs> i've had so many failures i think probably um some of the failures for me are around relationships and relationships at work in particular and relationships that haven't ended well in the work setting and of course it's you know it's not when it's a relationship it's not all one-sided it's not all my fault but I think the way that I've handled um, conflict the way I've handled difficult uh, people uh, the way that I've tried to avoid conflict and therefore created more problems because Mm -hmm. you know the relationship just sort of keeps lumbering on but then it starts to affect others if you're not decisive. And so, so I've had situations where I should have been decisive and removed someone, didn't, then it created toxicity and mm-hmm. then affected the culture. I've had other situations where um, there's been, I've been unhappy with performance and I've not handled it 
well by being you know up front I've kind of skirted around the edges and uh, mm. then it's created confusion um I've been insensitive in emails that have then come back and sort of bit me and so I think I've been quite unsuccessful actually in a lot of relationships uh, at work I've been had some great relationships sure. but, but some are just not handled very well and I think what it's taught me is you got to be honest you got to be in the moment you got to get help if you think you need it um you got to not avoid conflict you got to not be so insecure uh, and and worried about what people think of you and how you're going to come across and so all those lessons and I'm sure there are many more um mm. that's definitely been definitely been a failure yeah and no, I appreciate you sharing that actually I, I've asked a lot of people that question and sometimes it's the answers are about an initiative or a venture that I they set up and hasn't worked out but it, it's great to hear it on on the personal front it's not just something I tried to do that didn't work out but on a relational level and I think the reason that's so great to hear is that for as a leader you are interacting with people you're connecting with people you're inspiring people and it really comes down to uh, that the best definition that i've heard is just one word leadership influence and i had a, a word just before that positive influence and how do you have that positive influence if you don't know how to connect engage and bring out the best in people but it's not we're not all well, I don't really think we're born leaders. We are made and formed. And so we've got to navigate those difficulties and, and not get it right and send that wrong email or that wrong WhatsApp and that wrong text and, and deal with the tension with people just to, mm. to grow. So encouraging to hear that. And I, I mean, I've, I've known you for a while and I know a lot of the work you're doing now. And so it's clear that you have learned from all of that and you're growing and you're having a positive influence. Learning. You wouldn't be doing. Oh, oh learning. Learned, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Learning. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's all a it's all it's all a spectrum, isn't it? So that's that's fantastic. I, I will whilst failure's one thing, I'd also love to hear what about a success? What what's a success that you've had and what has that taught you about resilience because I think we can learn about resilience mm. from failures but also learn about resilience our own resilience from uh, success as well so what what one comes to mind of your many you're very kind um I, I think probably actually looking back over the last couple of years and seeing the Russian business uh, survive um and let me put that into some context so we were just before COVID hit. For some reason, we had a sudden, almost catastrophic uh, reduction in sales. Uh, you know, we had a couple of months where things were really tough, and and there were issues in the market moving against us, new with new legislation around um, tax and, and all various things. But anyway, with the, the markets we were operating in, there was there was there was some real issues, and so. We, uh, we, we went into January 2020 uh, really quite worried, actually, uh, to the point where I was supposed to, uh, we were supposed to have somebody start work with us on a Monday, I think it was in February, 
And on the Thursday before she joined, I had to call her to rescind the offer. And she had given in her notice to her employers. She had, I think, taken a week's holiday. She was all ready to start. And that was probably up there with one of the worst conversations I've ever had to have with someone to say, look, you've given up your job. Uh, you're supposed to start on Monday. Actually, there's no job for you to come to. Um, and then literally, you know, two or three weeks later, we went into COVID and the taps turned off and uh, that was it. But there was <laughs> recruitment stopped. And so my business partner, and I kind of looked at the business and thought, OK, not not on our watch. This isn't going to it's not going to end this way. We're going to do something. Oh. And so we did a few things. We, I think the first thing is we moved very, very quickly and decisively. So we cut costs, 50%, straight across the board. Inevitably, that meant redundancies, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but you know we had to do it. Uh, it meant terminating leases, moving another office somewhere else that was cheaper. It meant mm -hmm. getting uh, everybody on furlough that was left, getting bounce back loans. It was just... Uh, and then it was about, OK, well, let's stay relevant in the marketplace. Let's continue to develop thought leadership. We haven't got much work coming in, but let's let's keep a profile. Let's keep visible. So that was a really, really tricky, you know, 18 months, I would say. Of, sure. Are we going to get through this? Wind the clock forward two years now. And we've just closed out uh, last year was was a great year for us profit wise. Uh, we made a full acquisition of a business that we owned uh, a third stake in. We now fully own it. That business is blowing it out. Um, we're about to close this year with a very decent year. Uh, we've just been on a uh, hiring spree, uh, getting new people on board, both to service existing clients, new clients, look at new markets, look at potential acquisitions, um, develop our technology stack. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on. And so I, I sort of sit back talking to you now. Um, and I know you and I have had to rearrange this meeting a few times because I've just been <laughs> running around. Sure. I'm sorry about that. But, um, but the fact is we are really busy. And I look back now from the vantage point of saying two years ago, we didn't know what was going to happen. And actually there was a very real risk. We were going to have to put the closed sign up. Uh, and actually it's completely turned around. And so... Um, I'd say that's a success. What did I learn from that uh, mm -hmm. to answer your, your other point? Um, I think two things. One, things do not always turn out as bad as you envisage they're going to turn out. So I think we catastrophize. I mm. catastrophize. I think, oh my goodness, no work's coming in. I'm going to be homeless and this is terrible. Actually, it, does, it rarely turns out as bad as you think it's going to turn out. So you've got to be hard on your mind and the way you think. The second thing, is you've just got to put one foot in front of the other. You've got to do something. And I think if you sit still and don't do anything, there's going to be problems. But the very act of saying, do you know what? I'm going to explore a new rental arrangement or yeah. I'm going to explore a loan or I'm going to explore you know, doing some thought leadership that might help a client or I'm going to do something. There's something biological that happens with your brain. I don't fully oh. understand it, but you get into a different mindset and you think, actually, I have agency. I can mm. do something. I can make something happen. Mm. So I, I think those for me were the two big things. One, things don't always turn out as bad as you, as you think. And secondly, you just got to do something.
be active. And if it, it could be the smallest thing, but just do something and you're moving forward. Wow. Wow. I love that. Thank you. That, that story is so relevant. I can, I've spoken to a lot of people who have had stories of what's happened over the last 18 months, particularly with COVID, some sobering, some exciting like yours. And you said something there about being hard on your mind, which is so important. I, I, a big thing for me and a big thing for uh, this podcast is about leading from the inside out. And a big part of the inside out is what that internal dialogue, what's going on in your mind, uh, how resilient are your thoughts and what's your self-talk? Is it negative? Are you, as you say, catastrophizing that it's going to be terrible? Or do you have that optimistic worldview I like to talk about, which is a way of saying, yes, this is a difficult, challenging situation, but there is good that can come out of it. And for you guys, it was, all right, well, let's, how do we strip things bare? How do we make sure we focus on our thought leadership? What can we still offer the world as challenging a time as this is. <laughs> I loved your, your your statement to one another, you, your part, business partner, right? That not on our watch, <laughs> we are going to push forward. And the other thing that I've noticed, and it just to your second learning point, the thing I've noticed is that how much fear can overwhelm us as leaders. And the thing about fear is fear is crippling. Mm. And we all of a sudden create this story of how the world is going to be destroyed in a moment and therefore it paralyzes us and we do nothing but just taking that step overrides it overrides that fear because we begin to see the reality the reality is i could take a step forward the reality is i could write that email the reality is we could strip things back and then you yeah. create a different picture in reality rather than in your mind so that's a, yeah, a and I, powerful I, I, thing yeah and i think for men in particular i had some coaching on this once because um many years ago i was going through a really tough time at work and resilience was was the issue i was struggling with uh, you know how are we going to pay the bills how are we going to do things and someone said to me certainly as a, as a, as a bloke sometimes writing things down what's the problem, um, what's the possible solution? And the very act of writing it down, mm. what it does, it takes the fight or flight mode from your amygdala and it engages your frontal lobes. And all of a sudden, that sort of emotion of, uh, you know, it's a catastrophe, it's a disaster, nothing's good going to happen, I need to go and run away. Um, actually, you start writing, your frontal lobes engage, and, and then they start, helping you think actually no it possibly it's not and actually yeah uh, there's a plan uh, and actually you might want to do this because that might mitigate it and so i think journaling or writing things mm. down can be really helpful during these sorts of times certainly for me i think my instinct when i hit a big problem is to kind of sulk metaphorically you know go and sit on a tree for three hours and just worry about you know the future um, it doesn't help anyone it's actually selfish mm. it's self-pity it's um it, you're not doing anything good for anybody yourself mm. the people you love the people around you 
Um, I, I remember having times during very difficult times at work where I would sit at home around the dinner table, but I wasn't there. I, I was mm. there physically, but my mind was elsewhere. I was, I was distracted and I was upset and I was catastrophizing. Um, but I had to go through all of that, I think, so that now I can be more fully engaged in the moment, present with the people sure. that I love. And it's not to say again that I'm the finished article and it's like that all the time, but I, I'm grateful for those difficult times because they've taught me to be different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Ian. And I I know that all too well. Uh, I think it was it was my second or third business <laughs> that about 10 years ago, now it's 2012, just the the market went pear-shaped completely no clients uh in fact the only opportunity that surfaced was one in canada and so i had to consider moving my wife and, and the boys there but it, it was so i was so broken during that period that i, I had suicidal thoughts i was we would be at the dinner table and and i, I wasn't there it was like a, a cloud over me. And it was all in my mind. It was all in my mind. I don't, I don't ever remember sitting down and saying, hey, so you know, what can we do? It was just this story. It's like nothing's coming in. The bank's empty. We're paying the mortgage on uh, the credit card. It's all gone pear-shaped. And, and my ego was crushed. My mind was a, a mess. And I look back at it now and so much of what I do now as a coach, as a speaker, as a, as a leader has been learned from, developed from those moments of that dark season and having to wrestle through that and how I mm. saw myself and, and developing my own resilience. And, and now I remember is, having, thing, yeah, Sorry, I was going to say, Obi, I mean, the thing is you're not alone. Because, that's the other thing, because when you were going through that, I don't know, perhaps you felt, my goodness, you know, no one understands. This sure. is, yeah. this is, yeah, yeah. but probably when you were going through that, I was going through that. And I suspect so many other business leaders were going sure. through that. Yeah. And I think for men, we, we don't talk enough. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we need to share these things. This, this whole vulnerability piece is not weakness. Yeah. It's, it's strength. It's saying, Obi, I'm, I'm struggling. This is what's going on. Can I, mm -hmm. can I chat to you about it? Um, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, just, no, no, it resonated no. so powerfully because I just think people listening to this, um, there will be many who feel exactly the way that you and I have felt and possibly will feel uh, because yeah. there are peaks and troughs in leadership. It's not, yeah. it's not a bed of roses. It's not straightforward. Uh, absolutely. And, and one of the things, and it's taken me a while to connect with it, but, and this is the value of suffering that we've talked about, the value of those hard moments, those dark nights of the soul that you have as a leader, because it helps you have a perspective, a paradigm shift that can be quite transformational. So one of the things that has changed for me since then, as I look back at that season, was my sense of identity. How did I define myself? I defined myself in one of three ways and sometimes a combination of, of all of them. Um, I define myself by what I did. So, okay, this is what I do and I'm not able to do it right now. I'm not able to 
coach, I'm not able to build this business and therefore I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. I define myself by what I have. Oh, I don't have any money in the bank right now, so I'm a failure. I define myself by what people said. Well, no one's really saying anything right now because they're, they're not taking me on as, as um, their coach, their, their clients aren't coming. And so that's how I defined myself and, and, and therefore a failure. And I had to do a lot of deep work since then to say, Obi, you cannot define yourself by what you do, what you have, what you, what people say, because otherwise they say you're great, you're on top of the world, they say you're terrible, then you're down in the dumps. You don't have anything, then you're, you consider yourself nothing. You're not doing anything, you consider yourself nothing. And so going deep and just connecting with who I am at a much deeper level means that I can everything I'm doing and things that I get are merely an expression of that deeper Obi who knows his values, who knows what he stands for, who knows that actually he's loved, he's got friends. And yes, you may not have work right now or the business may be floundering right now, but that's okay. It's not your identity. It's just a situation that if you don't catastrophize, you can navigate your way out of it. And so that's something that's been really powerful for me now and I'm I feel I'm operating at a much deeper much Mm. richer level that means that I'm I'm expressing myself in a purer way now and a far more resilient way because of that transformation in my identity and how I see myself yeah I think that's an important yeah you're not defined by you're not defined by the job that you do you're not defined exactly. by even how others perceive you and, yeah. and i think yeah. there's something about are you comfortable being in a dark room on your own with yourself absolutely and if the answer is no then that, that deep work you talk about you got to get the shovel out and start you know mm. having a rummage around there because um yeah the, the, yeah I, you, you've said it so well uh it, it's your core your core values who you are you're happy with yourself Mm. that will enable you to be a better leader yeah 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 and the thing that is important for people to realize as they listen to my story your story is that this isn't something that happens overnight It, it, it takes work it takes reflection you mentioned earlier on the conversation you had with a coach it's I wish we could just give people, here's the pill, here's here's the formula, but you've got to be willing to do the work to get the outcome, to get the growth, to get the transformation back to Yeah, and and, and go back to, to the reframing point, actually seeing that as exciting and seeing that as uh, that's the way life is. I mean, I, I've definitely had mm. times where I've felt Oh, I wish just for a straightforward day and nothing changes, you know, sure. no competitive. I'm not having to pitch for work. It just comes in <laughs> and technology just is, just stays. We've just got an old telephone and, you know, it just, but actually that's not life. Life is, so, so I made the decision a while back. I can't remember when, but I remember thinking the reality is the business world is changing faster than it's ever changed before. Mm. Everything is in a state of flux constantly i'm never there's never going to be a time where i can just stand still and say we've arrived we've got the market sewn up we've got you know the share we want and we just need to crank the handle and it'll keep going you know we're not 
I was going to say Coca-Cola or Pepsi, but they, they're competing against each other for market share. Sure. So we're never, ever going to be at a point ever where we've arrived and we can just crank the handle and I can go on holiday for six weeks and it's not going to happen. So either I can resent that or every day I can get up and I can throw myself into it saying, what's the challenge today? What's going to happen today? How do I need to flex and adapt today? And just by making that mental switch makes life actually quite exciting. It's not going to be straightforward. It's not going to be easy, but it's easier to deal with the issues as they present. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that. Just it's it makes it exciting. It, it makes it the, that reframe. And, and you said, and it, hopefully everyone listening to this just picking up on the fact that it's not about changing things out there because that's the... People are all, if you're waiting for the environment to be right and the political landscape to be right, and the, you'll be waiting a long time. You'll be waiting a long time. Forever. It's but forever. But but that mental switch, it's I'm gonna see this as an opportunity. This is an opportunity to grow, this is an opportunity to uh, uh, be my best self. This is an opportunity to discover more of my potential. This is rich. This and that begins on the inside. That's yeah. all that's required. And it can happen in a moment. It can happen in a moment. Just that switch about, I'm going to see what's, what's the opportunity here. What's the yeah. opportunity for me as a leader? What's the opportunity for my organization? Uh, as you, you mentioned earlier on, right, that period of COVID and, okay, we're having to downsize here, but how can we position ourselves as a thought leader? You're able to ask some questions that unlock some incredible opportunities and perspectives for you to thrive rather than just survive. Yeah, yeah you learn through all of these things. And it's, it's a bit like um, it's a bit like a snowball. It, it's uh, rolling down a hill it's, or a mountain. It starts off small, but as it rolls, it accumulates mm. more snow and it gets bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And Again, it's another, I'm quite visual in the way I think about things. I see that as life's journey in leadership or life's journey full stop. You're, you're rolling down the hill and you're, you're, you're accumulating more knowledge and you're, you're, you're going through more experiences, but it's all good because you're getting bigger and you're getting stronger and yeah. um, you're, become, you're becoming an avalanche that nothing can hold you back. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm stretching it a little bit now. But you, <laughs> You get where I'm, you get where I'm going. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And that's and, wonderful. That, that's just wonderful to think that, you know, until the day I die, I can be learning. I can be learning mm. about myself. I can be learning about other things. I can be growing. I can be changing. Um, I think the reason some people almost sort of die soon after they retire is they just give up. They give up learning. They, they feel a sense of entitlement now. I've worked hard. But the thinking is all wrong. It, it, it's sure. got to change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, and, and this is sort of a, a by the by, but I'm, I don't believe in retirement. <laughs> I just believe in, in just perhaps changing my focus for a season. And perhaps at that so-called retirement age, I'm, I'm mentoring leaders or, or investing in the next generation, but not, never seeing it as that's it. I've done my bit for humanity, down tools and, and die. I, I think that well, just well, scares me. Well, no, I mean, it's <laughs> interesting. I think you change. And I think older people have 
I say older people, people of a certain vintage. I'll go back and use that word. I quite, I quite like <laughs> yeah. that. Um, I, I think it, there's almost a moral imperative to say, if I've got all that wisdom and experience, if I've got mm. all those, those scars on my back, surely it is incumbent upon me in my later life, in my twilight years, to share and impart and help yeah, and serve yeah, and give yeah. not to lock yeah. myself away and feel like well I, I you know I, I, the world's been tough to me and now I'm just going to take everything I can get no quite the opposite in fact once we finish this uh, podcast I'm heading into London to meet a friend of mine she's in her late 70s um we're going to grab a coffee together she's just stepped off the board of a major medical organization she's on the board of a business school she's doing all sorts of interesting things, mentoring, wow. coaching. Help. Wow. I find that so inspiring. And in fact, mm. I've got lots of friends who are in their 70s and they are intellectually engaged with the world and they are using their skills and experiences to help other people, whether it be sitting on nonprofit boards or whether it be coaching or mentoring. And I look at that and they are my examples of where I want to be. There's no way I think when I'm 70, I'm going to be able to sustain, you know, kind of the work rate that I have sure, at the moment. Sure. Um, and so I, I'll need to adapt. I'll need to change. Mm -hmm. yeah. I recognize that. But yeah, I don't want to hang up the boots. Yeah. 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 Uh, wow. Love that. But let's paint a vision of potential sages in, in the 70s, 80s that are offering wisdom and insight and, and going even deeper than we could go here, right? Because they'll have 30 odd years uh, on top of us to share all of their insights into resilience. So for the older, the, the, the vintage listeners watching and listening to us go out there and be sages to the up and coming leaders around you. So Ian, just to start wrapping it up and, and bringing this learning back, I'll wrap up with this question. If you could chat with your younger, less vintage self, just as you were beginning your leadership journey, with all that you've experienced so far, you've seen, you, you've been through, what advice would you give? Yeah, I think there's a few things. I think I would be, I would tell myself, be less worried about what people think of you. Because the reality is, most people aren't thinking about you anyway. We think they are, but are they really? Probably mm. not. But be less worried, because I think that holds you back. Sure. I think similar to that, or related to that, is don't think you need to have all the answers. Because I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, and if you're in a leadership role, you think you've somehow got to figure everything out. That's not the case. And in fact, the the flip side of that is to be intellectually curious and ask lots of questions. Mm. I wish when I was younger, when I was sitting in meetings and I didn't really follow what was going on because I was so afraid to look stupid, I wouldn't ask. I missed mm. great opportunities to learn things. And I wish mm. now I, I said, can you just explain that to me again? Or can we have a chat afterwards? I really need to understand. And I think the final thing I would say is be bold and take more risks 
because you've only got one life and you don't want to look back on your career or your life and think if only I think if only is such a horrible way to think about things so I, I would have said look be bolder take more risks fail more fail faster uh, pick yourself up and uh, yeah so I think there, there's some of the things that spring to mind love it I mean that that's that's for your less vintage self but an opportunity for every one of us uh me included listening watching to take on board be, be less worried about what others think about you don't it doesn't matter if you don't have all the answers none of us do just engage that curiosity and learn and grow mm. and then be bold take those risks don't let fear hold you back don't let the catastrophizing hold you back dig deep for that mental shift that helps you reframe situations see the opportunities and move forward because the world needs more leaders who are willing to give the best of themselves to help create a, an incredible world so ian those are amazing insights thoroughly enjoyed our conversation thanks so much for being on thanks Obi. always a pleasure thank you and to all our listeners and viewers i hope you enjoyed the show and remember that if you want to be a courageous and resilient leader, if you want to live life on purpose and with purpose, then it starts from the inside out. Have a great day and see you all on the next show.